we can go three weeks without food, we can go three days without water, we can go three minutes without oxygen, but we don't even go three seconds without using our mind. So if our mind is always being used, if our mind's always in action, that means we need to manage it because our mind is the source of our thoughts and our thoughts are the source of our words and our actions. So we need to manage the source. What is the primary source? That's mind. So if we don't understand mind and we don't understand how to manage it, we'll make a mental mess. And we, in any, in, and even when we do know how to manage it, we'll still make a mental mess, but we'll know how to manage the mental mess more efficiently. So that brings a sense of peace. Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from a clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. You're listening to episode 48. And we're back for another episode of the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. So glad you're here sharing your time with us today. Now, I have a question for you. Have you ever wondered about how your thoughts are physically connected to your brain? We love to throw out Romans 12 too, and this idea of renewing our minds, but what does that actually look like? Practically? Physically? Because if we can literally rewire our brain toward healthier and better adjusted thoughts through practice, then there's hope for all of us, no matter how stuck we may often feel in the midst of that downward spiraling of our mind. Well, today I got to sit and have a chat with the brilliant Dr. Caroline Leaf about her latest book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. And if you haven't heard of the work she's doing yet, buckle your seatbelts. I really enjoyed being able to have this conversation with Dr. Leaf. We really got to kind of nerd out here. So fellow brain nerds, just dive on in with us. And those of you who aren't so familiar with kind of the neurology and the psychology of the rewiring of our brains and whatnot, let me tell you, you are going to get a free education today. (laughs) For starters, we dive into this idea of mind management and how to apply mind management to unwire toxic habits and trauma. We also talk about how our thoughts physically affect ourselves and others and neuroplasticity, one of my favorite phenomenons. And this is the idea that we can literally kind of reshape our brain or strengthen certain neural connections and essentially rewire our processing through learning and practice that even takes form when we are considering practicing new thoughts and healthier thoughts and replacing kind of old cycles, maybe sometimes that are also rooted in trauma and whatnot. So one thing that I want to advise for starters is that this is kind of a visual podcast. It's a little different than we usually do, but I love it because Dr. Caroline Leaf is really kind of explaining, you know, the brain and neural wiring and neural connections and all of these things. And so she was so great to bring along some props to physically show us what she's talking about so that will help a lot of this a lot of the examples that she's giving make more sense so if you have the ability to hop on over to youtube the link is in the bio where you can watch the visual conversation that's taking place here that'll help give you a better picture of you know what's being explained Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with Dr. Leaf, she is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist with a master's and PhD in communication pathology and a bachelor's of science in logopedics, which is essentially a form of speech therapy from the University of Cape Town and the University of Pretoria in South Africa, specializing in cognitive and metacognitive neuropsychology. Really since the early 1980s, she's researched the mind-brain connection, you know, the nature of mental health and the formation of memory, and she was one of the first in her field to study how the brain can change, hence neuroplasticity, with directed mind input, essentially how our mind and our thoughts can shape our brain. And she's helped hundreds of thousands of students and adults learn how to use their mind to detox and grow their brain, helping them succeed in every area of their lives. So this is a pretty low 
loaded conversation, you might want to get your pen and paper out and start taking notes because she drops all the gems from her latest book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, and you'll want to listen to the whole thing. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Caroline Leaf. We have Dr. Caroline Leaf. It is so great to have you on the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. How are you doing today? Very good. Thank you. Despite freezing weather here, I'm doing super well. Manage my mind. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like having to use those real life practicing what we preach <laughs> in circumstances. Exactly. For those who are just joining, we are recording during the time when Dallas is under, or Texas is undergoing this crazy power outage. Um, and so I uh, was just checking in and make sh- making sure Caroline is good here. And as she was saying, just even having to remanage those thoughts and expectations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. When you don't, don't realize how privileged we are to have running water and electricity we just take it for and heat we just take it for granted and when it goes you really appreciate those small things that's you know, you so, sort of, so it's really yeah yeah so it's anyway it's great to be with you Brittany thank you so much Yes. And, you know, for those who aren't familiar with you, I would love for you to share more about the work that you're doing and kind of what led you up to the work that you're doing today with neuroscience. Um, And also, I just love how you're taking the data and the research and relaying it in a way that's accessible for the everyday person. Um, I definitely think that's something I do admire about you as someone who is in research and everything and a lot of the wording and jargon sometimes just isn't for everyone. Um, so I love how practical you're making that. Oh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, I've been in this field now for three, 38 years, which is a long time. And uh, I early, very early on in my career, I was exposed to, uh, I did a very interesting combination of, of degrees and which was, uh, they just was kind of experimenting, but it, what they did was mix medicine and neuroscience and psychology and linguistics and audiology and, and, and neuropsychology and just neurology. It was just amazing. So we got such a wide, broad view, which led me into really questioning a lot of the philosophy of the time, which was that the brain couldn't change. So I was trained, like literally in in my neuroscience lectures and in medical lectures, that, that the, and, and in, even in the linguistics and things like that, that your brain couldn't change and that yeah. it was a fixed function. And if you had damage, that was it. And that it was only in the mid-90s that neuroplasticity, which is the ability of the brain, as you know, to change, the ability of the brain to be changed by something. It doesn't change itself. The brain cannot change itself. It has to be stimulated right. to change. And I did some of the first neuroplasticity work in my field in the late 80s, early 90s. And my, I actually was ch- very challenged by some of my professors who said, why are you even bothering? The brain can't change. And I said, no, but it must change because our mind is always changing. So therefore, the mind is separate from the brain. And if the mind's always changing because your mind never stops, your mind's always with you. Therefore, the mind moves through the brain. The brain responds to the mind. Therefore, the brain's also always changing. And I showed that you can, when you deliberately and intentionally understand and develop and use your mind, you can change your brain, you can change your body and so on. So I began a whole... Uh, I worked initially with traumatic brain injury, which is people that have had some kind of trauma to the brain, car accidents, that kind of thing. And the reason I started there was because they were pretty much, there was hardly any research on them in the 80s on how to help people with traumatic brain injuries because they believed the brain couldn't change. So it was all going to compensate, compensate to type strategies. So I thought, no, this is not very hopeful. And I decided to take the worst cases I could and show that if you develop the mind, you can change the brain. And I showed 30 between... Up to 75% improvement in, in my patients who were, to, were written off by the doctors as vegetables, literally. Some of my patients mm. were written off by neurologists as being vegetables or never being able to go past a certain competency level. And they're, they're, they're transforming themselves, going back to school, getting degrees, get, becoming top in their field, wow. uh, changing careers. You know, so non-functioning to like well, low functioning to incredibly high functioning, and that sort of spurred on years of research. And I still do research. I clinically practice for 25 years. I've been doing research now for the whole thing together about 38 years, and I write books. And this is my 19th book that I'm releasing, cleaning up your mental mess. <laughs> Yes. which I'm very excited about because it's my it's a sort of accumulation of all this research written in the most simple way to help people understand what is your mind, mm-hmm. what is a thought, 
what are memories? What are the emotions? All these words that we just throw around. Yeah. And how does it work? And do we control it? And what's your brain? You know, what's the difference between the mind and the brain? And so kind of that's that's a little overview of the history. Yeah. Like a long story made very, very short. Uh, no, that was super yeah. concise. Thank you. I love the kind of comprehensive and holistic approach that your training and your education came up in. And I love that you're doing exactly as you're saying. You're taking this idea that can be very metaphysical to people, you know, the mind, and really breaking yeah. down all of the components. And when you think about it, all the aspects that make us a, a human being and uh, that make up exactly. our mental health. And this idea of neuroplasticity, which we'll get more into later, it does create so much hope um, in among a oh, topic. Absolutely. That, yeah, among a topic that I think can feel very heavy and depressing for a lot of people, <laughs> thinking, "Am I always going to be this way? Am I always going to struggle mm -hmm. like this?" But learning that you actually can kind of reshape and change your brain with like literal practices, I think does bring a lot of hope and healing. Um, and so it does. that being said, something that you talk a lot about in your book is this idea of mind management, which I thought was really interesting. Um, these terms that you've coined. So what is mind management and why do we need it? Well, is the, thank you. Uh, th that's a great question. So you said the people say things like, Am I always going to struggle with this? So riding off the back of that statement, mind management is the answer. No, you don't have to always struggle with this. You can learn how to manage the struggle. So big, also big picture answer, then I can go to a little bit more detail. Yeah. We can go, this is a quote from my book. We can go three weeks without food. We can go three days without water. We can go three minutes without oxygen, but we don't even go three seconds without using our mind. So if our mind is True. always being used, if our mind's always in action, that means we need to manage it because our mind is the source of our thoughts and our thoughts are the source of our words and our actions. So we need to manage the source. What is the primary source? That's mind. So if we don't understand mind and we don't understand how to manage it, we'll make a mental mess. And we in any in, and even when we do know how to manage it, we'll still make a mental mess, but we'll know how to manage the mental mess more efficiently. So that brings a sense of peace because our life is one of experimental experience. Nothing that happens in each moment is the same as the previous moment. Even similar right. experiences, each one is different. Right. So you know, you get up, you married to, married to the same person, or you have the same kids, and you live in the same house, and you live in this. But each experience, each day is a little different. And then there's major different ones, and then there's ups and downs, and and all of that. That's life. Life is experienced through your mind and processed through your mind. And so mind is the source. And if we understand that then we can manage it and it gives us that sense of hope because we have a sense of autonomy or agency and we do have it so my, my 38 years of research I can honestly say to you as a scientist as a clinician as a mother of four as a wife and as someone who has been in this field for so long and helped so many people with mental health issues including my own my own kids because if you're human you have mental health issues yeah. no one is exempt let's level the playing field the language we've used the narrative is wrong right. if you're human you have a mental mess you have mental health issues and it's okay because it's part of your humanity. And the hope is that you can change this, but you just need to learn how to do it. So we've spent years and billions of dollars on focusing on the neurobiology of the brain, which we've needed to, but yeah. we've done it at the expense of the studying the mind. And there's not enough of us studying the mind. There's a lot of us studying the neuroscience of the brain. And I study both. I look at neuroscience and I look at mind. And, and mind is separate from brain. And so when we understand that distinction, um, we understand, we can understand, we understand mind, we can then manage it. So mind management is simply managing that every moment, that every three seconds, how you think, how you feel, and how you choose. So I don't know if you want me to explain mind-brain difference and maybe unpack this from the beginning kind of thing and then give it a with some props and things to help people understand. Yes, I would love would that. Like and and while you're grabbing those props, I really just wanted to say that one, you're speaking my love language, and I really just wanted to Good. pull out and, and highlight um, what you're saying and, and what I we always preach on this podcast, and that is everyone has mental health. It can be on a spectrum as far as how severe it is, you know. But um, it's not this black and white. Some people have mental health, some people don't. We all have mental health, just like we all have physical Very good. health. And, um, and, and everything that you're highlighting, the importance of mental health, why it's so important, you know, we talk about on the podcast, like, yeah, there's a lot of other things going on in the world and issues we could definitely focus on and, and everybody has their place. 
But with mental health, like you said, everything comes from your mind, your reality, your relationships, your uh, your functioning to work in the world around you. It all comes from your mind. And so we're all having to adapt to how we're managing uh, our mental state every day. Um, and so I love uh, the intentionality of this, um, practicing that pause, even thinking about is this how I want to react, respond in this moment? Is this the type of person I want to be? Is this creating the type of life I want to live? Um, is is uh, right in line. You're speaking my love language here. So well, I'd wonderful. love to see the props you have. I love visuals. Okay, wonderful. Well, you think of it, your mind is always with you. You wake up with your mind, you go to bed right. with your mind, you choose your clothes with your mind, you eat with your mind, you speak with your mind, you have your relationships with your mind. Your mind never stops. So we've got to understand what mind is, first of all. So mind is how you think, how you feel, and how you choose, those three things. So you think, but you're always thinking, as I said, every three seconds. So you don't even go a second without thinking. It's it's always. when You you cannot think without feeling. So they're like stuck together, my fingers. You think of super glue. They can never be separated. When you think, you will feel. You can't think without feeling. Right. And when you think and feel, you will choose. Those three things go together. They're critical. So you as a human are always thinking, feeling, choosing, thinking, feeling, choosing, thinking, feeling, choosing. In fact, right now at this moment, all the listeners and viewers, and you and I, we're thinking, we're processing my words and the visuals that we're seeing in your words as auditory sound waves, electromagnetic light waves. They're coming at us and we are processing those through our think, feel, choose, through our mind. Your mind grabs and processes the experience. Yeah. So whatever this is an experience, you're hearing stuff. And it, and then it grabs an experience, it grabs and processes think, feel, choose. And that the think, feel, choose energy is then pushed through the brain. So here's a, a model of the of the brain. I love so it. That, that's, your, your mind is, is around your brain. It's this gravitational field around your brain, and it pushes your experience that you think, feel, and choose. There's all this thinking, feeling, and choosing, and it's pushed through your brain, and it uses your brain to think, feel, and choose more, which then stimulates chemical and electrical um, and electromagnetic and genetic responses in your brain. And then the, the result of the genetic response is that the words that you are hearing and the things that you are seeing are converted to little vibrations that are stored in little proteins branches which look like trees inside your brain so here's I've got a little thought tree inside your brain so this is what you are growing in your brain at the moment and you're doing this think feel choose think feel choose think feel choose thing at 400 billion actions per second and converting what is being discussed here into these thought trees in your brain now think of a structure of a tree it has roots a tree trunk and it has branches, lots of branches with leaves and things on. Okay, so as you introduce the podcast, or the title of the podcast would have been The Seed That's Sown Into the Ground. Right. And then as you saw and I started talking, we are giving the origin story. We're giving all the information. So those are the root memories that we grow in the origin story. The source of this thought tree is the information you receive, the experience you have. In this case, it's this discussion. It could right. uh, the this discussion that you're listening to, maybe you were doing something for your work, so you were reading an email, that would have been the source and your response and so on. So every moment is is experienced and converts into these thought trees in the brain that are made of proteins. So what the, the source is where it starts and then the tree trunk or the little stem would be your perspective of that, your view. So each, mm -hmm. each listener is hearing this slightly differently, same content, but your perspective adds your right. own unique angle. That then, that then grows branch this is all happening instantaneously at speeds of 10 to the 27, which is faster than 400 billion actions per second. This is what you're doing. It's like so all driven by your thinking, you choose your mind. It's miraculous. So you and then these these it is miraculous. Then these branches are your interpretation of this information in terms of data and emotions, which will become your behaviors. And then this manifests in what you say and what you do. So it goes in the cycle, the experience, the processing through the mind, that, that, that stimulates the brain. The brain's response is to build this through the roots, tree trunk, branches. And then that is used by your brain, your mind and brain together, integrated, which have created this together, then together you say and do. So I'm speaking, I'm, I'm, I'm talking, which is, and I'm talking from these, you responding right. from these. So it's not just from random. So when what we say and what we do, we can track back to our, our, our warning signals, our behaviors, emotions, 
perspective and origin story. So it goes both ways. We build and then we can track. Yeah. So we can manage, our mind is managing this process. And the neurocycle, neurocycle is the concept that I've developed over the last 38 years and constantly refined. That's what a scientist is supposed to do. You're supposed to you know, right. de- develop an idea, develop a theory, do your initial research, and then you should constantly update and study more and find out more, which is what I've done. So in this book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, I have put a summary, simple summary in the first half of the book about this research of your mind-brain integration, how you can control your mind and how you can control the growth of these, what they Mm -hmm. look like. And if if we have a toxic experience and a toxic reaction, here's the tree, but it's a toxic tree. So we build a, a, an unhealthy yeah. version. So in the healthy version, the proteins are all folded correctly and the chemical balance is correct and the energy is correct. But in this one, the toxic tree, the proteins are folded incorrectly. The balance, chemicals are imbalanced. The energy is imbalanced. In fact, your immune system of your brain will recognize this as a foreign invader as though it was like a COVID virus. Mm-hmm. So your toxic, a toxic thought, a toxic trauma, a toxic habit is by the immune system in the same way as it would treat a virus. So like if you have a virus, your immune system sends out B lymphocytes and T lymphocytes and you get a cytokine storm and and that creates inflammation and that's your body trying to get rid of this. It does exactly the same thing, not just to to a physical thought. So thoughts have the same physical impact as a virus. I mean, think about that. If, If you have a cut on your hand, the same immune system response will happen. So your brain and body is designed to respond to a toxic thought, which could be a trauma, it could be a toxic habit, it could be a toxic experience, a toxic way, you know, a habit established with, in the same way as it responds to a physical virus, which is phenomenal if you think of it. Yeah. So it's, it's recognized in the same physical way. So mind, therefore, is brain there, brain and body, and here I've got this other prop just to summarize, brain and body are 1% of who you are. So there's brain and body. And the mind, which is around this, is mm-hmm. the 99 percent so Einstein demonstrated this first with his work in electromagnetics the photons that are emitting him and some of his other scientists that he worked with that we emit photons and we all know that we've all experienced that you walk past someone you get an electric shock that's kind of evidence of how our body's generating there's a lot of research showing the electromagnetic fields around the body it's not woo-woo science it's used in medical research the concept of the so we we are are, there is a field around every human body when you're dead the field goes and it's a gravitational field and just recently a couple of years back some scientists won the nobel prize for their work on gravitational fields so when i talk about a field it's not something weird it is something very very scientific very much in the scientific world and if you're dead you don't have it so that is your mind that is your think field choose in this gravitational field and it's also like these wavy forests and so right now this gravitational field is how you receive the electromagnetic light waves think feel choose push through the brain and you build these thoughts in your brain a thought being a whole tree and Mm -hmm. the roots and the branches being memories so thoughts not the same as a memory a thoughts different from a memory so mind is think feel choose brain is physical and the consequence of thinking feeling and choosing is a thought and a thoughts made of memories origin memories and the, the the behavioral memories that then produce your words and actions and that whole process i've been studying for 38 years mm-hmm. and i've developed a neurocycle which teaches you how to process how to direct the neuroplasticity, direct the formation of these, capture these and reconceptualize them. So constantly, literally renewing the mind. And I know you're a faith podcast, so these yeah. they would recognize the scriptures in what I've just said. So literally, I've developed the science of bring thoughts to captivity and renew your mind, which is something we're supposed to be doing all the mm-hmm. time because it brings all thoughts into captivity and keep right. renewing your mind, which is present continuous. So it's not now and then. It's ongoing. And neuroscience shows us that we can do this every 10 seconds. And I talk about this in my book too. So I'm not asking you to time it. I'm just telling you that you actually are designed to be, to mind manage all the time. You, when you con- when, when I say all the time, when you're consciously awake, from the time you wake up in the morning, you should be consciously and deliberately aware of your thinking, feeling, choosing in response yeah. to every experience. What are you saying? What are you doing? What's your response? What did you say in your email? What's the response mm-hmm. of that person? What did you just say to that person? What's their response? How can I fix it? What did I just do? Can I fix it? Own it. Right. Embrace it in order to be con- order to process and reconceptualize. So these things we need to get rid of because they're causing brain damage. As I said, right. the immune system doesn't like them and this neurocycle helps you break these down and get rid of these pattern established thoughts and also helps you in the moment by moment stuff 
Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing. But I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has group in our sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify and you can apply for financial aid during the sign up process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. I think that this is so exciting. One, this idea of the physicality of of a thought of the mind and, and how it can be very physical. And even this kind of idea of this energy of field that we're emitting with our thoughts. Um, I think it explains even how sometimes you interact with certain people and you can feel like negative energy, positive energy, or what even people are yeah, emitting exactly in the atmosphere. This. Atmosphere. Um, I think that that makes a lot of sense because it's things we feel and experience, but it's the idea serious. that there's a physicality yeah. to it, it's like, okay, that makes sense. Um, and and well, I you, also, can't, mm-hmm. you can't see it. Sorry, you can't see it, right. but you can feel it. And that's so that's so it. significant because, yeah, you can feel it. So as you quite rightly say, you get around someone and you're in a great mood and they're totally negative and they're just depressing, just, they're depressed and they just, yeah, you come away feeling on you. awful. Oh, exactly. So that thought. They're speaking from this, yeah. and that is emitting, that's actually emitting photons. That's Einstein's work. That's emitting photons from your brain. So we yeah. use our mind to build the thought. So we've got this field around us that builds the thought. And yeah. then once the thought's in there, because you're alive, that thought's also generating. So yeah. you're getting that, which is what's emitting, not generating. Your brain's not a generator. It's a responder. So it responds by emitting. Um, right. that, so you, you feel that, and you feel it in the energy field. Right. So that's you can that's, you can you can have someone who you know doesn't like you, or you maybe you don't know they don't like you, and they're smiling at you, but you feel like something's wrong. Yeah, it's being fake. <laughs> That's you pick, exactly. You're picking that up in the gravitational field. Your mind is picking that up, and your brain is picking up what they're emitting. Your brain and mind, your brain and mind, mind first, and then brain and body, and you're feeling it. And you've got to be careful that you don't absorb that because it can affect how you how you function. So this is very real. It's not something. There's yeah, some so, truth behind the like no bad vibes. <laughs> um, oh yeah, we, people people get very scared of all those things, but it's not yeah. it's it's very real. You know, it's it's yeah. it's pure science. Science is very spiritual. Absolutely, I, I think it's very revelational. I think science is like 
the revelational aspect of what already exists. Like we're discovering what, you know, creation has already had around us. And um, I also loved what you were saying about how we really need to be consistently mind managing and how we're responding to things because especially in this past year with news and media, we're so used to being so reactive. And so many of us have been living in reaction um, instead of this intentionality, mm. which is waking up and saying, okay, this is how I'm going to choose to respond if something negative at work or in my house comes this way, or this is how I'm going to exactly. choose to respond to uh, the events of my day. But we've just been so busy and so in a rush that we haven't created this time for these spaces to pause and mind manage and be intentional. Um, And so I think that it really does speak to a lifestyle change we would need to make to be practicing mind management and that's being intentional about pausing. Exactly. And that's what I say. I actually say throughout the book that mind management is, it's on the back here as well in the flap. Mind management is a lifestyle change. You know what's so interesting, Brittany, is that you you just described the situation with COVID so correctly. But prior to COVID, this pandemic, we were already in such a mess. And I talk about that in the book too. There was a population study done between 96 and by the mid 2000s, they had discovered that. And it, it it was a trend that that is that has been growing. For years, we know that people have been living longer. We know that medicines advance and technology. So we know people, but not anymore. From 2014, mm. that trend reversed. People are dying younger now mm. in this advanced technological age. People are dying eight to 25 years younger from the preventable lifestyle mm. diseases. Preventable lifestyle. Mind. Right. Mind is source. So the way we started, and we can track it back to 40 years ago, where there was a massive shift in how we started managing mind. We became so focused on neuroreductionism, on the brain, and, and reducing the brain down to everything down to the biological and forgetting about the story, right. the narrative of the person, that we actually then, when you eliminate that, you eliminate 99% of the person. So you invalidate mm-hmm. people. So this, this this current psychiatric movement has actually invalidated people's experiences. You know, you don't need a disease label to validate when you've been through pain or the experience we're having in COVID. I mean, gosh, that's yeah. scary. And this, and this, as I said, just prior to COVID hitting, we're sitting in the situation where we have these deaths of despair. And what's mm-hmm. so sad is that the, the main the main people being affected are 24 to 65 year olds. So this is people in the prime of their life, starting their careers and coming towards the end of their sort of main part of their career, and they're yeah. dropping down dead eight to 25 years younger. And then people get a label of a a, a diagnosis or a label, a mental health label, Mm -hmm. you can chop another, literally chop another 20 years off their life. And then this is shocking. This is where you get the eight to 25 years number. And that's what's frightening. And we have to look and track back to 40 years ago, we started taking mind out. We started labeling and using neurobiological labels and saying from a symptom checklist, you to clinically depressed, right. forgetting the story as a, you know, you've got to bring the whole story into the situation. So giving someone a label shortens lifespan and locks a person in. It can initially be a way of understanding. So right. labels sometimes when it can give you knowledge around, okay, well, I'm feeling this depression, but when the knowledge is incorrect, like depression mm-hmm. is an illness, is incorrect knowledge, it can limit a person. No, okay, you're feeling depressed. So yes, there's depression in your life, but that depression is not an illness. It's not an it. It's a warning signal of an underlying yeah. cause. It's a symptom of an underlying origin source. So it's the right. symptom that we're seeing over here. And if we gather awareness of the symptoms, we can then track down, down to the origin story. Then we can reconceptualize that and decide how we want to play that out into our future. And in another aspect of our current modern lifestyle is that technology which has also contributed to this reversal of the trends is we become and you mentioned it briefly but our technology and lifestyles become so busy we have hurry sickness so we entered COVID with processed foods which are killing people a lack of uh, ignoring the mind mind becoming irrelevant because you because it was just too hard to deal with so the physical is much easier to deal with look at the brain look at the body and then also uh, technology so people getting too too much stim- it's, uh, that's nothing wrong with stimulation but we're not supposed to just gather data without thinking about it deeply so deep thinking change people just became data capturers as opposed to data processors and that overwhelms people and creates the imbalances in brain and then also we that creates a sedentary lifestyle all these things contribute to you know we all talk about 
you're not sleeping and eating. It's it's lifestyle. So what's the source? Why am I doing this? I've got to stop. Why am I using technology this way? Why am I eating this way? Why am I not exercising? Why am I not, how am I managing my day-to-day moment? What am I doing about trauma? Am I suppressing trauma on my phone all day, eating junk food, right. just reacting to every news item, um, getting mad at everything and then saying, oh, the world's attacking me or the evil's attacking me or I can't cope or it's so bad or I'm clinically depressed. I better get a, a a, a medication now you add damage to your brain mismanagement of mind and now you've got that on top of everything else i mean this is a terrible terrible message that that has been given to the world and this is what i'm trying to fight and show people a uh, fight against and and i'm not meaning that aggressively because it, i right. want to free people and make them recognize help them recognize that if you're human it's okay to be depressed it's okay to be anxious it's okay to be terrified and despairing these are resp- warning signals responses to adverse circumstances they're symptoms right. of an underlying cause you can't be depression because depression is not an it depression is a warning signal of something we had patients in our clinical trial and i'll show you a picture of um of inside the brain of some of our subjects that were um in i'm just getting up the book here that were severely depressed that a clinic they had been diagnosed and labeled as clinically depressed mm-hmm. they had tried all the medications all the therapies they were pretty much giving up on life and had decided this was the last shot they were they were their relationships were messed their sleep was messed up they they were totally depressed anxious mm-hmm. worried etc this is an image of this is a case study of one of the subjects and that the each of these little things is called a head map and we're looking inside the brain and you'll see some are blue and some are gray yeah. and there's three day day one day 21 day 63 and just very very briefly this person this particular subject was so depressed so anxious all the stuff i've just said and um, we looked at the narrative the whole story why what's going on in their life did a whole lot of psychological testing including a test i've developed all the stuff is in the front part of the book also looked at the um the inside their brain which you can see here we did QEEG so this is the neuroscience part we did DNA testing we looked in the blood cortisol homocysteine inflammation so all kinds of ways to see how does the brain and body respond to the mind and this person was a mess in every aspect cortisol inflamed brain inflamed body sickly not sleeping you name it they we even saw that the biological age, which is your age of your cells, your cellular health, which is determined by your DNA, um, was actually up to 30, 30 to 40 years older than their chronological age. So let's say, for example, that this person was in their mid-20s, for example's sake. They had a body of someone in their mid-60s, a sickly 60s, mid-60s person. So here you think of it, you're 20 maybe, or 25 or whatever you are, and your body is now one of a sickly 65-year-old. That immediately puts you at risk for all kinds of diseases. You know, so, you, so that's where people are dying in their mid-20s from preventable lifestyle diseases now how did they get there from mismanagement of mind which it's not their fault either we should be teaching mind management we're not teaching mind management people are people are caught up in technology processed foods having to climb to the top with a whole positive psychology and um the 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 whole um mentality of meritocracy where you've got to work to earn your place and if you don't work hard you're useless and it's up to you and you've got to make it work i mean the messages that we are living under are absolutely terrible meanwhile it's success is different for every person what some person sees anyway for all that stuff so this person then did the neurocycle which we'll talk about daily on the app i didn't give them therapy by day 21 their brain had stabilized which is unbelievable within three weeks they had a gray brain which means the brain had stabilized their identity had changed that's what the green means in the front there by day 63 it had it was sustainable it hadn't it got better and better and what that means is that person here was saying i am clinically depressed i am depression i don't know what more to do i'm hopeless i'm I'm despairing to the by day 60 by day 21 they were saying I'm not clinical depression I'm not depression I feel depressed because of they had done the work of finding out um, the the, the hard work it's painful it gets worse before it gets better by day 63 they had behavior change where they, they they actually were able to say I was I felt depression because of and I still have parts of depression but I know why I know what to do and I know how to manage it and that yeah. was sustained at six months so what I'm saying with managing your mental mess, because this is an extreme case, right. and not all of us are living in, in we'll have periods in our life of where we do, where we slip down the, the continuum to maybe a minus 10 if the continuum goes from zero 
to minus 10 on the negative side and zero to plus 10 on the positive side. Most of us in any one day are living somewhere in the minus four, plus four. You wake up happy, you get a bad email, you minus four, and then you plus three because you have a great discussion over breakfast with your kids. Up, down, up, down. Most of us live there. We've got to to manage that too because if you don't manage that, you said this at the beginning, cumulatively over time, if you don't manage your mind, it builds up and you just then feel burnt out. At the end of the day, you just feel exhausted. And then over time, it just gets worse and worse. And then you end up feeling depressed because you're just exhausted and you haven't managed your mind. But then the big stuff happens like COVID or like like there's the accumulation of whatever and you slip down down into the bullying or a rape or some acute trauma happens or there's undealt with trauma from childhood or early adulthood that's been suppressed which has caused this inflammation and over time it eventually explodes and you land up having psychotic breaks and disassociation and even maybe you know personality issues that's still not an illness obviously it's it's a dramatic response and it's it's a very important response and you need to validate it but to call it an illness is adding fuel to the fire you're already battling so to tell someone you've got an illness is terrible what we need to do is help them recognize that this was a coping strategy a trauma response and together with support we can identify and work through the process of deconstructing and reconstructing and that's what i've done my entire life and worked out the science so this book gives you the simple way of how to do it yourself i love this so much i'm like about to sing um <laughs> because I love um it's just like i'm i'm excited that this message is something that is uh being passed around more especially with your platform and everything that you're doing really just advocate advocating this idea of person first language which is that you are not your illness you are not your diagnosis you are someone who is experiencing depression you are someone who is experiencing anxiety exactly. you're not a depressive exactly and it i totally agree that when you know you automatically label someone, it takes away their uh, inspiration, their autonomy to even get better um, because you feel defined under the burden of that label. So uh, I think that's really important to be said. And it's almost like, and and there really has to be this balance when it comes to these uh, naming naming systems or the nomenclature of uh, diagnoses because yeah, and in in one way, having the symptoms and doing the assessments, it is helpful to have that cluster of symptoms and say, okay, it looks like this, you know, it is a bit severe. So now we can start thinking about ways to treat it, uh, knowing that, you know, this is the experience, the depressive experience that you're having or that you're experiencing panic. Um, I think for starters, that's helpful. But then, like you said, after that, the way we go about defining people um, in or categorizing probably needs to have a more comprehensive conversation around it. Like you said, the whole story. So I'm so excited that this is a language that is being advocated. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. And just because I want to respect your time, uh, just switching over really quickly. Uh, we talked about how. Just can, can I make one comment? Sorry, yes. I don't mean to interrupt you. I want no, you said such fine. a good point, and I just want to. I just want to emphasize that point, what you're saying about, you know, the cluster of symptoms. You could, what I always tell people is that cluster of symptoms, the DSM, the Bible, it should be used as firewood. It should not be used for anything else. That's my opinion because it's really right. limited in terms of locking people in. If you use it the correct way, you can just use it as a book of words to describe your symptoms and the, yeah. the warning signals, which are, but they not, what they use is they use those as the end product. That's, that's the it. Right. They're not the it. They simply, they simply are the, manifestations, the warning signals, the symptoms, the smoke signals of an underlying cause. So if you embrace them, process them and reconceptualize them, then you can actually transform them and you can make them work for you, not against you. So that can help people. We're not that we're denying anything. What I am saying is I am validating your story. I recognize those symptoms. I recognize everything you're feeling and that has got a a story behind it that needs to be unpacked and that takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of support which doesn't fit into the it doesn't that doesn't fit in the biomedical model the current psychiatric bio, bio model which has fallen has taken on a biomedical um, 
kind of um, domain or whatever identity is trying to say six symptoms or seven symptoms. There's your diagnosis. There's your treatment. Get better. If you don't get better, there's something more yeah. wrong with you. You're just even more ill. That's the most terrible thing to say to someone. Meanwhile, we need to stand back and say, hey, I see you. I this hear you. Let's, let's. Yeah, it makes sense. And help and considering your yeah. story, how all of these symptoms have come about, and considering all exactly. of the dynamics and that are yeah. yeah, and I know this is a whole other conversation systematically about how these uh, symptoms and these assessments are actually used for pharmaceutical and insurance purposes <laughs> to get Ooh. medication. Yeah, I know that's a completely yes. different conversation. Yeah. But and yes. I do have a I do have a brief chapter in my book about the current mental health system. But I, yeah, as you say, that is a huge conversation. <laughs> yeah, we'll be talking for hours. Right. So I guess in closing, because I said we would return back to it. And, and I think this is the very hopeful side of mental health uh, that we haven't really dove into. I'm like, dove in, is that a word? Um, into for this podcast is, <laughs> is the idea of neuroplasticity. Um, you know, we've talked about how in scripture, a lot of times we talk about, oh, renew your mind. And it's like, okay, how? Um, you know, and you talk about this phenomenon more in, in your book. And something that we commonly say that you've probably heard is neurons that fire together, wire together. Um, and this idea mm -hmm. that when we practice these thoughts, we can kind of change the automatic response in our brains and the structuring. And so I would love it if you could share uh, kind of more about what neuroplasticity is and what we can literally do, what the person listening to this right now can literally do to help renew their mind by essentially re reshaping their brain in a way. Well, that's what it is. So you essentially the, re the 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 research I've done is showing that with your mind you can change your brain. So neuroplasticity is being able to change your brain. Your brain can't change itself, but the fact that the brain can change, it's malleable, and um, through your mind is is neuroplasticity. So. The, uh, the five steps of the neurocycle is the system I've developed. It doesn't replace therapy. It enhances therapy. You can do any therapy technique in it. So you'll be learning in your – because you're studying clinical psychology. You'll be learning about ACT and all different – you can still use all those techniques – those are these are techniques. This what all I've developed is this is the system of how do you get your mind to work with your brain to direct the neuroplasticity and enhance that process. And not only in the therapeutic sense, but you as a person day to day, you with your mind twenty four seven. Your mind never leaves you. So what are you going to do with your mind? It's working anyway. So if you don't control it, it's going to be messy. So the five steps of the neurocycle help to direct neuroplasticity. It's a systematic way of using your think, feel, choose to direct the way that you actually process information through your brain. So your brain changes in response to everything. What you, so your mind, which is the biggest part, but also what you put into your body and onto your body will also change your brain and change your body. So what you put into your brain and body is driven by mind anyway. The decision to eat that food is a mind decision. So mind drives everything. It's the source behind what everything, eating, drinking, exercise, you know, managing the stress of work and family, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of the basic premise there. So mind drives brain. And as, as, as you control your, as you, which you are your mind, drive your mind, you control your brain. So think of your mind. Think of the fact that we are, um, in science, we talk about being wired for love. And we talk about in the mind literature as, as in having an optimism bias. And very often they'll say that the brain has an optimism bias. Um, or they'll say it has a negativity bias. You may have read that or heard that. Basically, what we see is that the neuroscientific literature shows um, a very clear picture that we don't have any organs or structures in the brain, even down to the level of the proteins um, that can handle anything in the toxic vein. So anything that's um, anger, despair, irritation, jealousy, envy, all of that stuff doesn't make them bad because they're responses, but they damage the brain and they simply responses. What damages the brain is what happened. It's the source. Those are those emotional warning signals, depression, anxiety, etc., are telling you, hey, wake up, fix up, because this whole structure, which is the experience, that is what's damaging the brain. So neuroplasticity is is finding is is you with your mind finding these and changing them into these, into the healthy version into the healthy thoughts in your in your brain and therefore in your mind. So you use your mind to change your mind to change your brain. That's essentially what's happening and which then also changes your DNA. 
And that's the philosophy of the neurocycle. So neurocycle, you're cycling through this process. And it's meticulous, 38 years of meticulous research to work out that to get when you do this, I mean, I've spent years working out what combination, how to do it, what does it do, what is each thing. So they're simple steps, but they have profound science behind them. So to get the two sides of the brain balanced, to get the right kind of energy wave called alpha that's balanced at the front part of the brain and the different parts of the brain so that you develop insights and to get your, your a, a high beta, for example, which is when you have a flash of insight, you want flashes, you don't want it like a tsunami and you want beta, which is another energetic response of the brain to when you're thinking, you want it to be a nice wave, you don't want it to be this kind of waveform, and then you have another wave called gamma, which is like a little ripple, but it ripples from the back to the front of the brain, and you want it to ripple, you don't want it to just be this whole, once again, tsunami, you want the right amount of blood flow at the front of your brain, and oxygen at the front of your brain, in order to increase cognitive flexibility, and and to decrease impulse, so all this stuff, and not only that, you want to reduce cortisol, and you want to reduce inflammation, and you want to have your hormones at the right levels and you want your DNA to be doing what it's supposed to be doing down to the level of telomeres which are on the ends of chromosomes and which are linked to mind management. So all that has been researched and I put that into the book, the summary of the clinical trial showing all of this that when you manage your mind you will influence everything I've just said and more. I've only just mentioned a few things. So each step is going to be doing that. So in terms of how you drive this process, that the, the neurocycle is the answer. You can use the neurocycle in that moment by moment. So let's say you just have an argument with someone and you've got to get in front of a thousand people and talk and um, that you've got to get your head on. You know, you say, I've got to get my head back together. I've got to, I've got right. to be, you'd use the neuro, you'd use the neurocycle in that moment to bring yourself back. So it's the moment by moment that day, day-to-day stuff where you're in the minus four to plus four dealing with the day-to-day stuff. But you also do it daily as a life. So it's done like that as a lifestyle. I call that neurocycle life hacks. Lots of examples in the book. And the neurocycle, by the way, is in the second half of the book with lots of simple examples and exactly how to do it and lots of examples of everything. I show you how to use it for established things like trauma. So if you've experienced trauma in childhood or early, whenever, whatever stage of your life, trauma is one of these things and they establish, they're not going to go away with our quick fix mentality we have today, they're not going to go away in five minutes, they're going to take 63 days and that's part of the research that Mm. I've shown. You've got to work in cycles of 63 days. We often are told that it's 21 days to to build a habit or break Break a habit, habit. that's not it's not that's not science. It was a, it was a myth promulgated by a, a surgeon. He was basically basing it on the fact that your body heals. If you have a blister or if you have a surgical cut or something, uh, your body heals in cycles of, of of more or less three weeks, and your mind does as well. But to to change for behavior change, you need at least three cycles of of twenty one days. So you need need at least nine weeks. So I showed that in my in my research. I've showed it with the different wave energy forms. Like for example, this is technical, but it's interesting. You get what we call gamma peaks. Happen at day 21, which means that I've actually learned something new, and it's but it's not yet in my non-conscious mind in a way that it's actually going to influence my behavior. So I've got to learn something new. Think of learning to drive. I've got to learn something new, and I'm very conscious of it, and that takes about 21 days. And then I've got to make sure I become able to to drive well so you develop the expertise sort of side and so that it that it translates into into safe driving and then after that it's just expertise over time and that that takes another 42 days so you would neurocycle over these site over these 63 day time periods big trauma might take multiple cycles yeah. smaller traumas might take one big habits might take, so it's different for everyone no one's cookie cutter everyone's narrative it's the basic principle of how to apply let's say you have an acute trauma which is sudden stuff like when COVID hit us or you have a death in the family or you have you know uh, whatever these things that hit you that inside you you can use the neurocycle for that so it's basically a way of it's a way of thinking feeling and choosing it's just a system it's organized it's an organized yeah. way of thinking feeling and choosing and as you do it it directs the neuroplasticity so the five steps are gather awareness reflect write recheck and reteach okay. in the book i've got a nice chart i explain I like it that. i put all the yeah that's and it's so well laid out here it's i've made it so easy for you to be able to see what they are descriptions i give you simple stories and then there's all the sciencey but and the science is made so easy that i'll explain that when you do gather awareness this happens in your brain this is what it means for you so it's very easy to unpack it and then as i said a practical application is there but essentially let's say let's take a very very simple example let's say that you've just had an argument 
um, and you and you don't and you've got to. Um, I, it happened to me the other day. That's and someone asked you about this on a, another interview. I've done. A, <laughs> I've got a podcast cleaning up your mental mess, as you as you know. And if people want to hear this in more detail. Um, you can listen on my podcast, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. I give a lot of neurocycle examples. But I had a, a my daughter, I've got four kids. Three of them work for me and my husband works for me, with me. So we, it's, we're a family business. And as a family, you can get much more easy, it's much easier to get irritated with each other and have Absolutely. arguments than it is. than anyone else. <laughs> so it's be, Exactly. You just don't have the same filters up, you know. So you have to work very much harder. And we have a philosophy, and that's be kind, be kind, be kind. And that's like, you know, the three main rules. Be kind, be kind, be kind. Anyway, this particular day, my daughter and I, one of my daughters and I went away to, to a workout class. And I just woke up anxious about stuff, and I was worried about stuff. And I know what to do. That's why I say I still have a mental mess. The difference is I know how to neurocycle. So right. I, so when I, when, I, when I have issues like what I'm going to describe, I know how to find it, catch it, recognize it, embrace it, process and reconceptualize. So it doesn't become an all in, it doesn't invade day. I catch these things fast and I'm becoming better and better at managing. So mind is a skill that we can learn. Everything I teach is a skill yeah. we should be teaching our kids from young. So what do parents, you know, so if, you, if, if what do parents can do, I've got a book coming out for kids. I have a neurocycle app where there's a whole section on how to use it for kids. We should be teaching mind management all the time. It's a skill like you go to the gym and you train. We should be training to become mind athletes, mind Olympian athletes. And it's a skill we can develop. I cannot stress that enough that we don't yeah. teach mind enough how to manage. So this is teaching you how to manage mind. So at whatever age, you never the, you've got to keep going. I've developed this concept and I still practice it all the time. So very quickly, I got I was worked up. I got in the car with my daughter. She said, "Ask me a question." I snapped. I got angry. We had an argument. It was all my it seriously was my fault. I take full responsibility. She got a little aggressive, but it was because of me being irritated. And yeah, I'm the mother. I'm the boss. I know how to do all of this. I made such a mental mess, and it was. So as we got to, by the, I mean, I knew what I was doing, even when I got irritated, three minutes to drive to a workout class, we get there and we immediately got out the car because we were, they had to get into the class that had started and we were full of this high intense energy and immediately got on the treadmill and transferred that irritation into physical exercise. So physical, if you're having an immediate reaction, some sort of physical thing or deep breathing is great. So that's brain yeah. priming. So always prime your, always prime your brain. Tons of examples in the book um, to help you. In this case, I got on the treadmill, started the neurocycle. So the first thing I did was gather awareness of my emotional signals. What were my emotional warning signals? I was edgy when I woke up. I was very irritable when I got in the car. I was definitely not listening. So I was kind of short-tempered and things, whatever. Then I then I took stock of my behaviors, my behavioral warning signals, where I was short-tempered, where I snapped back, where I didn't use nice body language. I didn't construct my sentences yeah. kindly. I didn't use whatever. Then I looked at my body. What are my physical warning signals? Because we store memory in our body too. So my, my HPA axis, my body responded. I was tense. It said, tension. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had yeah. tension. And my, I had my heart palpitating. And, and then I was aware. Then I looked at my behavior. I mean, then I looked at my perspective. You know, I'm irritated. And so I did this very objectively, like a co-pilot and a pilot. I was the co-pilot and the pilot. The co-pilot is the made in God's image, wired for love, optimism, bias that I was talking about earlier on. That's in the brain and the body. We've got this through the. We've got this part of us that is perfect, which we know it's made in God's image. In neuroscience, it comes out as wired for love, design of the brain. In in the mind science, it comes out as this field that is actually got this this perfect wave and it's all for survival it's love it's survival and that's your instinct of wisdom mind so the co-pilot that and i went into co-pilot and messy pilot arguing messy mind caroline and co-pilot wise mind and i started neurocycling on the treadmill and i literally became aware of those signals i gathered awareness then i reflected reflect is ask answer discuss be a detective why was i feeling that then yeah. i started right then the third step is to write but i obviously was on the treadmill so i didn't write if i was not on the treadmill i would have written the way i recommend writing and it's in the book there's also a video in the neurocycle app called a metacog it's a way of organizing information that pulls the two sides of the brain together and enables you to really dive deep and get a, a get to the bottom of an issue very fast very powerful tool i use it throughout therapy in my years of clinical practice and i teach people to do it but i couldn't on the treadmill so i'm teaching you 
two things. If I'm sitting at home every day, every morning, I do neurocycles for any kind of toxic habit or trauma. So I'm always working in 63-day cycles on something. It's a lifestyle. Renewing of the mind is a lifestyle. And we've all got tons of these. If you don't, you're lying to yourself. And you needed your neurocycle yeah. just to get out of that. So um, so I always spend my sit down and spend my 15 to 45 minutes daily working through. So I've got a neurocycle journal and I write in that. But I also use it in the moment, which is on the treadmill. So if you can't write in the moment, you visualize. And I visualize the whole thing right from when I woke up to that scene, crossed my, you know, it took a few seconds and I saw that visual. And then I rechecked, fourth step, what was my whole visual? So from gathering, reflecting, visualizing the whole situation, I could now get perspective. So the fourth step helps to organize, get perspective. What are the patterns, activators? What's the antidote? And the active reach is what's your action? What are you going to do to make, to fix this? When you're working on a big trauma, you're not going to fix it on day one nor day two. It's going to take you a full 21 days to get to the point where you actually find the origin story or part of it yeah. in your first first 21 days. Um, so each day is a little bit of insight. In the in the moment stuff, my in, my active reach would have, was to apologize to my daughter and then to actually go and work because um, I had at that point identified why I was so edgy when I woke up and to go fix that as soon as I got back to, to my studio. And so they, that that's an example. I did those five steps, got me together within five minutes of being on the treadmill. I had done that, caught my daughter's eye. She caught mine. She was neurocycling. There was a big smile on both of our faces. And when we finished the class, it was like this race to who was going to apologize first. I mean, that is so constructive. That could have gone so easily, been a, an awful day. And it built up a narrative in her mind, in my mind, and created all kinds of conflict, but we managed it. And that's what it has in, that's what mind management does. It's all part of experimentation. We're experimenting all the time. We don't always react like we should. I don't have any guilt for that. I took that guilt. I felt bad and guilt at the time, but I didn't let it consume me. I took it. I feel guilty. There's a valid reason. You're the mother. You're the mind expert. You were overreactive. But I didn't let it make me feel bad. I saw that as, okay, well, that was what I shouldn't be doing. What's the lesson I've learned? I've learned what I shouldn't do. Why did I do that? But I don't do it again. Can you see the converses? Oh, I'm so bad. I'm a terrible mother. How can I do this? I'm a terrible boss. And my whole day would have, and I would have tried to maybe justify. Can you see the shift? That's what mind management is. Yeah. You you end up getting getting you end up getting into a place of mental peace, where you can manage the moment by moment, and you can learn to manage the big stuff that's wrecking your relationships, that's keeping you stuck, that's keeping you ruminating, that's keeping you people pleasing, imposter syndrome. All that kind of stuff. It frees you from those things. And as I said, there's tons of examples and exact how-tos in the book and in the app that goes with it. Yes. And I apologize right now because someone's vacuuming in the background of my apartment hallway <laughs> and we're home, you know, during all this quarantine COVID stuff. So and listen, this, this is, is where we are. This is all part of it. <laughs> um, but I was just going to say. It's all part of it at the moment. <laughs> it is. And I was just going to say in closing, you know, I love every. Can you guys hear me okay? It's okay. Um, oh, we can hear probably. Okay, good. Then we'll, I just we'll quickly we'll quick, you you quickly do a neurocycle to deal with the vacuum. I know. Quick, okay. Gather awareness. So okay. gather awareness. It's, it's a little frustrating, but uh, we're taking deep breaths. We're happy to be here. We're happy that Dr. Leaf is here. <laughs> um, Go and it's okay. And COVID and then you're all cool and it stops. Exactly. There we go. We do it. We done. We did a neurocycle. Any stop. There you go. By time you're done with the neurocycle, your problem might already be resolved. So that's the other secret. Exactly. <laughs> and you feel and you feel better because now yeah. 1400, 1400 neurophysiological responses uh -huh. that would have started going crazy in your brain because of uh, the stress of what right. you had to trying to get this, you know, the noise and finish the interview, you, you would have had 1400 neurophysiological yeah. responses working against you by you just doing what you did now. You've just yeah. made 1400 neurophysiological responses work for you. Yeah. Yes, you've just shifted it's it in that, total shift. that instant. I love and how you can feel peace instead of tension. Yes, I love how solution oriented this is. Uh, that's what I definitely want to say. I completely agree. I think that these are skills that we should have been learning. They call them soft skills. I would consider them life skills. Oh, gosh, but, dominant skills. Yeah, right? dominant. And, um, you know, I learned the Pythagorean theorem that I never use, but nobody taught me how to manage my mental mess. And this needs to be in like schools and everything, right? Because everything we do is in human contact. But um, I love this. I love everything you're sharing about neuroplasticity and, and for those you. who are listening and they're just like, okay, 
I've been dealing with this mental mess all my life. It feels really overwhelming. You know, that's the whole point of neuroplasticity is kind of this idea like practice makes perfect, I always say. So what have you been practicing with your thoughts? Because that's what you've perfected. But the, reser- the, ver- the reverse, oh gosh, can't even talk. The reverse you is also true that if you start practicing these new thoughts and creating these you new mental maps, like your lovely green plant there, yeah, um, you can, you can perfect that. that into that. <laughs> and at you first, convert that into that. Yeah. yeah, and at first it feels like it takes a lot of mental energy. I love the um, analogy you used of a car. Like when we're first learning how to drive a car, you're like, oh my gosh, you're looking at all the other lanes, you're looking at your rearview mirror, is my seatbelt on, am I steering? It takes a lot of mental energy. But then the more that you're practicing it, the more you're driving, the more you're turning lanes and stuff, then you can you know, you can do it mindfully. Some of yeah, you are even texting one of while doing it, and you shouldn't be. But yeah. um, you can do it mindlessly. Yeah. And but it shows it. It shows how intelligent those thoughts are. We yeah. often think automation is unintelligent, but an automated thought's not an automated in terms of machinery. Right. It's moved into that. I should actually say it's a non-conscious thought that has yeah. been. Uh, and the non-conscious mind operates twenty-four-seven. The conscious mind only operates when you're awake. So the non-conscious mind, right. when something moves into the non-conscious mind, it moves in into dyna- what we call dynamic self-regulation, which is the most right. intelligent level oh, you can get onto. Yes. So when you're driving, you're driving with that super intelligent thought. So as you get in the car, this pops up, and your yeah. driving experience today grows some more branches. And so you expand on that. Yeah, so in when you don't think when it's the, when you develop like if you're always having an argument in a relationship and right. you neurocycle, you fix it up, you change that into that. When yeah. the trigger comes, when the trigger comes, you this comes up, you, you remember this. Different. You, yeah. you, you could slip that, but if you've done it over sixty three days, exactly. this is strong enough to actually over it's overridden this anyway, it's gone. Exactly. But you now you've got this one and this is the one you'll still remember what you did, but you'll now operate yeah. from this. But if you only did it for three or four days, it won't be strong enough. Right. This one will dominate. You've been doing this, it your whole this life. This will just yeah. grow back. <laughs> right. Yeah, this will just grow back. But you can take yeah. something you've done your whole life and you can change it in sixty three days. Which yeah. is not a it's not a lot. Yeah, and I always tell people the way that you can tell that you've grown and that you've made the most progress is that you're not responding the way that you used to. Um, and so, exactly. Um, exactly. And so I totally agree. In those moments, I say, we're going to choose to be healthy, Brittany, today. We're not going to respond the way we used to. So exactly. Thank exactly. you so much for make, all of make this. Make it work for you. Yeah. <laughs> So how can those who are listening to uh, to this learn more, grab your book? Where are all the plugs and places that they can stay connected to you? Well, the book you can get at cleaningupyourmentalmess.com. If you go to that site, it'll take okay. you to wherever books are sold. You can get the book, obviously, wherever books are sold. But you can go either via the, that website or you can go via drleaf.com. If you want to know more about me, everything's on there. My social media handle is Dr. Caroline Leaf. So obviously from Instagram, you can get to everything. The book, everything. My yeah. podcast is called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. So we can, we can send you all those links to put in your show notes. Yes, and we will have easy that. way for people to contact yeah, we'll have all those in the description. So thank you so much for your time. For You guys basically just a got a free pleasure. education. A free education <laughs> that, that a lot of us pay for. So thank you. <laughs> um, My pleasure. My pleasure. And thanks, so thank guys. You. Thank you so much. For listening. Until next time. <laughs>